Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's word and apply his message to your everyday life. Visit seekingtruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part two of the book of Genesis, chapters 15 through 17. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Bishop Robert Morlino of Madison, Wisconsin is explaining to his flock why surrogacy is a moral evil. It's in his diocese. And the entire process, start to finish, is in the range of 75000 to 125000 But you pay for each thing. It's like a list. You check the box what you want. Uh, there's an abortion selective reduction fee. So you implant more fertilized zygotes than you need, then you can select the ones you want. We want a boy, we want blue eyes, we want, you know, whatever. And so to abort each and every other extra is another $3,500. Genetic screening, oh, we don't like a baby with that DNA, so get rid of that one, another. All these tests and, and maternity clothes allowance, multiple fees for per fetus, you name it. So we haven't learned much. This is Hagar, is, is her womb's being objectified, and it's still happening today. God's pedagogy is to teach over time. This is not God's will for human happiness and beatitude. So after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Cana, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she, Hagar saw that she, Hagar, had conceived, she, Hagar, looked with contempt on her mistress, Sarai. And I read that several times. It's not the other way around. It's the young, young Hagar, now pregnant, is looking with contempt on Sarai. I looked up what contempt is. The feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving scorn. Despicable. She has forced young Hagar to lay with this old husband of hers. Sarai could never get pregnant her whole life. And Hagar, boom, pregnant. Now she has contempt for Sarai, the old barren, sterile wife who can't give Abram a sole heir and take all the inheritance. Pregnant hair guy has contempt for sterile Sarai. Sarai was in charge of Hagar, but now Hagar, pregnant with Abram's son and his sole heir, who's in charge of who? Who has contempt for who? Now there's disharmony in the household between the two women. Hagar holds Sarai in contempt. You are beneath my consideration. You're worthless, deserving scorn. You're despicable. And Sarai says to Abraham, may the wrong done to me be on you. Now she's mad at Abram. Is this how it works in your house? I gave my maid to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you, Abram, and me. Slam the door. Boom. <laughs> now there's marital unrest. Abram said to Sarai, behold, your maid is in your power to do with her as you please. There it is, that passivity. You handle it. She's yours. She's your object. You take care of it. Do what you want. Further objectification of woman by both man and woman. Behold, she's your maid. She's your thing. 
She's in your power. Do as you please. Again, we see that passivity. Then Sarai dealt harshly with Hagar and she fled from her. Now to see how harshly, what, what are some synonyms for treating someone harshly, severe, unkind, cruel, unpleasant, abusively. It must have been pretty bad for a pregnant woman with morning sickness and, and everything that comes with it to want to flee. It is so bad with Sarai that Hagar must leave the camp. And where does she go? There's nowhere to go but into the wilderness of Zin. And this is what it looks like to this day to be a pregnant woman out in a harsh desert seemed better to her than to stay with Sarai. That's how abusive and how harsh it was. And the angel of the Lord came to Hagar in the desert and found her by a spring of water in the wilderness or the, spr uh, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, maid of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. What? Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will so greatly multiply your descendants that they cannot be numbered for multitude. What? That is the exact same promise that Abraham got. The Lord is not displeased with Hagar. She did no wrong. She's an objectified woman. She is getting the same promise Abraham got. Numerous descendants multiply your descendants so greatly that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Wow, she's going to have a huge family. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Beware, you are with child and shall bear a son, and you will call his name Ishmael. From the Hebrew, Ishmael means God has heard. God has heard her affliction out in the desert, or God will hear. He has certainly heard her because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Now, he will be a wild ass of a man. <laughs> this is what scripture says. And his hand against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. Wow. He's going to be a problem child. He's going to be a strong willed one. Ishmael is known in Judaism and Christianity and Islam as Abraham's son born to Hagar, Abraham's firstborn son right? And when you go to Israel at the Dome of the Rock, they say, Ishmael, this is where Abraham, our father, sacrificed Ishmael. And the Jews and the Christians say, oh, no, 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 no. This is where our father, Abraham, sacrificed Isaac. And they say, oh, no, no, no. And we say, oh, yes, yes, yes. And that's, that's, it's three monotheistic religions all claiming this rock of sacrifice. We'll get to that next time. But this is Ishmael's, uh, Ishmael, Muhammad claims to be in the line of Ishmael and Abraham and, and the start of the Islamic faith through him. So he will have nations, he will have princes, he will have a multitude and a prolific multitude that is still uh, in favor of life today and, and high multiplication. So Hagar called, she called upon the name of the Lord who spoke to her. Thou art a God of seeing. She was Egyptian, remember. The Egyptians had many gods, but she sees Abraham's God now. 
God, God has spoken to her. Thou art a God of seeing. Has I really seen God and remained alive after seeing him? She is, she is believing in Abram's God. Therefore, the well was called Berlaha Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered to this day. You can see it on a map. It lies between Kadesh and Bered near the wilderness of Zin. This is what the wilderness of Zin looks like today. This is where she went all alone, newly pregnant with Ishmael. What else happened at this exact same spot? I love this. It's in Numbers 20 that Miriam, Moses' sister, died here in the wilderness of Zin near Kadesh. This right in the same area. There was no water for the congregation after they had come out of Egypt. 2.5 million men and all the women and children. They're in the wilderness. What did you bring us out here to die? There's no water out here. There's no water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tent. The glory of the Lord appeared to Moses. He told them to take the rod, assemble the congregation. You and Aaron, your brother, tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. You shall bring water out of the rock for them. You shall give drink to the congregation and to their cattle. Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, here now you rebels, shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted his hand and he struck the rock with his rod twice. The Lord told him to speak to the rock. He struck the rock twice. Do you remember that when we did Exodus? Water came gushing. The congregation drank. Their cattle drank. But what did the Lord say to Moses and Aaron? Because you did not believe me to sanctify me in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel contended with the Lord, and he showed himself holy among them. So that was a huge infraction for Moses, such a great prophet, to strike the rock twice. Same spot where Abraham has taken two wives. Hagar bore Abram a son. Abram called the name of the son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. It means God will hear. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. 86. Was God pleased with Abraham? It's a test. Was God pleased? Abraham goes into the dark night of the soul. God does not speak to Abraham for 13 years. Silence. Not a single word recorded in the scripture. Abraham wasn't supposed to do that, was he? When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord God appeared to Abraham, 99 years old. He had been 86 when he had Ishmael. 99 minus 86, 13 years later, the Lord spoke. God's been silent for 13 years, the dark night of the soul. A lot happens in 13 years, right? As you know, in your own families, a lot happens in 13 years. These are 13-year-old boys. A lot happens in 13 years. Ishmael is 13. Sarai's still barren and childless. The Lord said to Abram, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. First thing the Lord says to him after 13 years, be blameless. Don't mess up again. Be blameless. I'm going to make my covenant between you and me and you will multiply exceedingly. Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you. 
It's with you, Abram. You will be the father of a multitude of nations. And no longer will your name be Abram. Your name will be Abraham. I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. So we don't see name changes very often in the Bible. They're always important when we do see them. Abram used to be exalted father, but this new name, Abraham, means father of many nations. Jacob will get a name change. He'll be called Israel later on. One who supplants or deceived is changed to one who will strive and live. Simon gets a name change. Simon Peter. Simon means to listen. He has heard. He gets his name changed to Peter the Rock, Cephas. Also, Sarai will get a name change in this chapter from princess to Sarah, my princess the Lord's princess. God is really working in their lives. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations and kings come forth from you. Did that happen? Yes. The genealogy of the royal line of King David will come from Abram. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to you, to God and your descendants after you. I'm going to give you and your descendants after you the land of your soul journeys all the land of Cana for an everlasting possession and I will be their God so we've seen three covenants already covenant in chapter 12 covenant in chapter 15 now we're seeing a covenant in chapter 17 God said to Abram as for you you shall keep my covenant you and your descendants after you throughout their generations this is my covenant you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Now, this is something new. They don't know about it. I love this is an actual painting from a 14th century Bible, an illuminated Bible. This is the angel helping show Abram what to do. He has to self-circumcise himself at age 99. Can you imagine? You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it'll be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Now, it could have been anywhere. Could have been his arm, could have been his ear, could have been a piercing in the nose. God could have done anything, and God chooses this organ and this fashion, a mark in the flesh. This is quite interesting, don't you think? Abram had not trusted God in his flesh when he slept with Hagar. He had not trusted God in his flesh. And every single time now that he looks down, he's going to remember an everlasting covenant sign that God marked in his flesh. He will be reminded that his flesh is weak. And a son of Abraham named Jesus Christ reminds us of that in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's under excruciatingly blood-dripping agony in the garden. He knows that the Spirit Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he says, Father, could this cup pass from me? Jesus knows the flesh is weak. And he prays for help at that excruciating time. The gift that Jesus will win for us is an indwelling Holy Spirit. That helps us live more by the Spirit and less by the flesh if we avail ourselves to it. That's a trick. Jesus wanted it for the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. He said, if you knew the gift, if you knew the gift that God wants to give you. You see, the Holy Spirit is always the gift that God wants to give us. Not a Mercedes, not a Porsche. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit. That's the thing. And he says, you don't ask for it. 
If you ask for it, he wants to pour it on you. And you will know truest happiness in your life. It's the gift that God is saying. And you would never, ever have to come back here to drink at this well again because it's living water that wells up inside of you like a fountain. God wanted it for her, this Holy Spirit. And in John 7, Jesus Christ himself says, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. This will be his pierced heart on the cross. Fountains of living water gush out for the sacrament of baptism, the new circumcision. Jesus says it's finished. He bows his head and he gives over his spirit. It's now the age of the Holy Spirit. And out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. It's the spirit that just gushes forth from him. It's the love between the father and son in perfect unity. And it gushes from his heart his circumcised heart on the cross. The Holy Spirit will help give us grace to live more by him and less by the flesh. More by the spirit, less by the flesh. Paul writes about it all the time. So he gives us his spirit. We live in the age of the spirit. We have the first Pentecost where the spirit is just unleashed on the church. There's 120 there, 12 times 10, the 12 new tribes of Israel, the 10, a new priesthood in the order of Melchizedek and an unleashing of the Holy Spirit and 3,000 moved to be baptized that day into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in a new Melchizedekian priesthood baptized into the Trinity. This baptism will be the new circumcision. It's the very first blood that Jesus gave us on day eight of his life and his circumcision. He was circumcised. Uh, Luke tells us that on eight days he was circumcised. So back to Ishmael in Genesis chapter 16. It's not until Ishmael is 13 years old that God asked Abraham now to circumcise his son Ishmael. Now, do you know how hard it is to get a 13-year-old boy to do anything, <laughs> let alone a circumcision? God hasn't spoken for 13 years and Abraham comes back from this incredible prayer time and, and, and says, guess what? I talked to the Lord today. What'd he say, Dad? What'd he say? Well, come here, Ishmael. <laughs> Let me show you. Let me show you what the Lord said. And he says that all eight-day-olds, eight-day-olds among you, every eight-day-old among you shall be circumcised. This is going to be a, 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 a seal done on the eighth day. It's when the vitamin K level is the highest and the blood clotting factor is the best. It's also the day of the resurrection the eighth day. Uh, God knows everything. But think of a mother with a brand new newborn, six days old, and Abram says, can I hold your baby? Bring him back in two days. I got a little treat for him. I mean, he has to convince his whole household that this is a good idea to circumcise every male age eight days on. Whether every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or born with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he that is born in your house and he that is bought with your money shall be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. So this is for the entire household of Abram. The entire household, men only, eight days on and up. Any circumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Everyone, it's presented. You don't want to do it. You're gone. You're out of the covenant. You broke it. Goodbye. No passivity this time. Abram will permanently mark their flesh for God. He will do it. The first bloodshed, Jesus Christ, is his circumcision. The last bloodshed is the circumcision of his heart when he's pierced by the soldier. 
and it's baptism and Eucharist that floods out. This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. The life of the creature is in the blood, right? God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings and people shall come from her. Then Abram fell on his face, and he laughed. And he said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abram said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live in thy sight. What about him? I mean, he's lived with him for 13 years. They've bonded. They've grown. They're father and son. They do stuff together. He loves Ishmael. And God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, which means in Hebrew, laughter. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So we have the patriarchs, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I have heard you. So Abram must have been praying about him. I've heard you. Behold, I will bless him and make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He's the father of the Arabs now. He has multiplied him exceedingly. He shall be the father of 12 princes. I will make him a great nation, but I'm going to establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bring to you at this season next year. Galatians 3 says that it's one offspring that gets the promise. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, plural, referring to many but referring to one and to your offspring, which is Christ. And this is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance is by the law, it is no longer by promise, but God gave it to Abram by a promise. Isaac is the promised seed of Abraham and the line of Jesus Christ. God's promise is coming from one offspring named Isaac, and he will be in the line of Jesus. And one woman now named Sarah, my princess. And when he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Did you catch that? God went up. Of course he did. Then Abram took Ishmael, his son, and all the slaves born in the house, or bought with his money, every male among them, the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day as God had said to him. Abram was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And that very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men of his house, those born in the house, and those bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. Every single person in his household, male, was circumcised. Now, baptism is the new circumcision. Every single person in Cornelius's house will be baptized. It's for him and his whole household. It's a new covenant for women too. Guess what? Women can do baptism. We can't do circumcision. We can do baptism. And that's what is shown to Lydia in Acts chapter 16. St. Paul comes to Lydia of Thyatira, who was baptized near Philippi. Lydia, believe in the Lord Jesus and be baptized and you will be saved, you and your whole household. 
So baptism will be a new covenant, a new type of spiritual circumcision, a new way to enter into the family with an indelible seal in the sign of the Trinity. It's for you and your whole household. And it's for infants. Because when did they circumcise? Day eight. When should we baptize? Day eight or sooner. Right? Infants are for baptism and your whole household. If Jesus himself was circumcised on the eighth day, the eighth day begins the new creation. It's the day of the resurrection. Then also, should a new creation be made and a new covenant sign on the eighth day with the new circumcision, baptism. Paul says to the Colossians, we're almost done. See to it that no one makes a prey of you by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness of life in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. And you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Baptism is the new circumcision. You were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, having canceled the bond which stood against us with its legal demands, and he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the principalities, the powers, and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in him. So circumcision of the flesh is transformed into circumcision of the spirit of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. And way back in Deuteronomy, God already was telling them to circumcise their heart. Yeah, you made the cut for me. You made that covenant, but your hearts are horrible. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. Be no longer stubborn, you stiff-necked people, right? And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart, the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. It was already predicted in Deuteronomy, the circumcision of the heart. That's the true inner part of us. A mark of the flesh is only a mark of the flesh, but a mark of the heart is a mark of love. And he marked his own heart for us, that very last spearing on the cross. And this is what Pope John Paul said, the love of the heart of Christ transforms the wound caused by the rejection of men into the fountain of life from which gushes forth grace of salvation. The sacred heart of Jesus was pierced by the sword on the cross so that the treasures of grace would flow from him for all men. It is an unending spring of life. Giving hope to every person has streamed precisely from the heart of God's son who died on the cross. From the heart of Christ crucified is born the new humanity redeemed from sin. So that pierced, circumcised heart of Jesus Christ, his very first bloodshed, his circumcision on the eighth day, his very last bloodshed at the piercing of his most sacred heart. Age 33, 33, the divine number, 33. He wants our hearts. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you and thank you. Uh, we thank you for the gift of baptism and that it's that gateway that we enter into your family, into your church. We praise you and thank you. We pray that our hearts are circumcised as well, that, that our inner spirit just wants to know you deeper and more, Lord God, with all our heart, 
all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. Please be with us this week. Help us share you with somebody. Help us share our joy. May the Holy Spirit be alive in each one of us as we tell others about you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That was part two of the book of Genesis, chapters 15 through 17, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit SeekingTruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.